Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Lemon Pepper Web Podcast. I'm Bethany. And I'm Christina. Rounding out our Black History Month series, we have an interview with Andre Williams, a black man. (laughs) OG LPW listeners might remember him from our episode called Alaska and Atlanta. OG OG listeners might remember him from an episode of The People's Vouch. Dre is an artist, a Decatur native, and a man with lots of opinions on the city of Atlanta. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, so Dre, thank you for coming on with us. Mm -hmm. Continuing on our series, if you will, of Black history in the now. Yeah, Black history today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We want to highlight Black stories from people in our circles and Mm -hmm. our community, our friends, friend groups. Um, And we wanted to talk to you because you are an artiste, or at least that's how I met you. I'm a man of many talents. Okay. Uh, I, uh, you know, of course, people know me outwardly as, as an artist. That's kind of like the, you know, the forward facing part of me, but mm-hmm. also my, my dad's uh, an architect, so I build stuff as well. Um, you know, I, th- I like to think I'm pretty good in the kitchen. So anything, oh, hey. <laughs> you're a creator. Yeah, of any, many it, different. Yeah, anything involving like creation and uh, you know alchemy, if you want to call Ooh. it that. Uh, hmm. I, I think I'm pretty versed in that that atmosphere. Nice. Yeah. And actually, this is a return for you yep. to Lemon Pepper Wet. Mm-hmm. The last time we had you on Lemon Pepper Wet was four years ago. Yeah. With Elvit yep. promoting the second installment of your art show, yep. Alaska and Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a uh... a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot has a lot has changed since then. Um, we haven't done a three yet, which feels like it to close out the series. It okay. needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. We you know kids, girlfriends, you know marriages upcoming marriages you know a lot can change in four years yeah yes for sure actually let's start from the beginning Mm -hmm. when it comes to your art what is the inspiration for your art to say that i i'm inspired by like specific art i don't i couldn't jump out in there and say that i don't really use references in most of my paintings it's just if you see my painting it's more than likely it is a profile shot of a man or a woman or something that looks kind of could be a mix between the two. Um, I just I I draw what what I'm feeling. So I I would imagine that you know masculinity and femininity, depending on how I'm fin- feeling that day, is mm-hmm. what my hand kind of leads me to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, the actually painting process, it's. It's the same process I've always used. I don't tend to rush myself through through anything. I'll paint a little bit a day, um, come back the next day, look at it, and say, oh, "Okay, well, this looks cool. Let me <laughs> <laughs> let me keep going. Let me, yeah, let me let me throw a, a line or some type of bar or something across the painting, and then from there, I'm like, okay, this looks okay. The pa- the painting looks balanced for my eyes, and I'll leave it alone. So, I've I've always had the same process. Um, 
in making artwork. Uh, it, it just changes depending on what my mood is. Um, I heard uh, Kader Boli say that his painting is an expression of his unconscious. So it's not like how you're saying, like you're not inspired by mm-hmm. anything, but we all have this subconscious or unconscious. And he says that his subconscious speaks through his work. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. always know what he's going to paint. It's just, it comes out. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't get to see, it. the weirder part is you don't get to see what the finished product is, of course, until it's done. Okay. So then you kind of, you look at what you've finished and you kind of look at the time frame in which you completed this artwork in and you could, sometimes you could see, okay, well, I know I started here. This, these lines look very aggressive and very rigid. Mm-hmm. So that makes you kind of puts you back into a place of where I, this is what my emotions were mm-hmm. that day. And then you see these other lines that are very uh, curvaceous. And if you want to call them feminine, mm-hmm. guess, softer, or... so- a softer line, then it, you know, you're like, okay, well, you know, I was feeling a little, a little jazzy today. I was, feeling <laughs> a little, I was, you know, I was like very much into my um, emotions that day. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's your subconscious to a certain extent, but you know, it, it all is very intentional when it's when it's happening, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's the the subconscious part of it, like not actually knowing what your intentions are until you see them in the end. So, gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Let's go back for a second, though. Like you're from Decatur. <laughs> yep, born Georgia. Nice. Yep, <laughs> that's not Atlanta. That, it is. It is not uh, according to Please what's 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 homegirl Amretta uh, uh, yeah. and her like diss to everybody in the whole entire state. <laughs> right, you are Did not you from Atlanta. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've heard it. Shout out to her, but yeah, Decatur is not Atlanta, and it's no one in Decatur cares. would claim Atlanta. The, yes. only, the only time I would ever say, "Hey, I'm from Atlanta," and it's very loosely, is if I'm out of town and somebody's exactly. like, "Hey, where are you from?" You say Georgia. Nobody knows. Seriously, nobody knows where Georgia is <laughs> at all. Yeah. But if you say Atlanta, I'm like, oh, okay. Atlanta Hawks, Olympics. Atlanta Falcons. People can yeah. like, kind of put them together. Migos. Yeah, Migos, yeah. 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 Gucci. But no, if, if, if I'm in Atlanta, I am from Decatur. Right. Yes, Period. and and people that are from Decatur are well aware of the distinction between the East Side, the West Side, Atlanta. Like, yeah. we love being from Decatur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know we probably touched on it on the episode back four years mm-hmm. ago, but tell us a little bit about how you came into your artistry. Like, what was the introduction like as a child in your formative years, mm-hmm. like into your art and curating and like you said, alchemy and mm-hmm. like you know, using your hands and things like that. Yeah. I mean, my first experience just like with a pencil and just writing period was my mother. Um, back when I was little, she used to those huge like little paper tablets that they give you to work on your handwriting yes. or whatever where you have to use like the big, big pencil. Uh-huh. My mother would give, pencil. she would give those to me all the time. It's like, Hey, just work on writing your name. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my, like I learned control over like my actual penmanship. Mm. Um, from there I was like, okay, well I like writing this. It turned into what's the next thing that I write all the time that I like outside of school. Mm-hmm. A Christmas list. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and this is back when J.C. Penney catalogs used to come like three, four times a year. Yeah, I would take those catalogs, no matter what it was. I would write down the description, the price, whatever it said next to the thing I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My Christmas lists were that 
detail. That's so funny. So yeah, <laughs> what so, a what a type A child. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was super weird. Organized. Looking back on it, yeah, like my Christmas lists were like, I mean, it, it, it was like a document you would turn in at work. That's yeah, uh, I mean, pages on pages of just like shit. How did it's, that work out for you? How much did you actually get? Oh, I mean, probably when I think back on it, probably. I didn't get half of those things on the list. <laughs> but, but I'm sure they appreciated <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, but I'm sure they appreciated the They knew exactly what I wanted. So that was that was cool in itself. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, after, you know, doing all that writing, uh, of course, my dad, I've always watched him do, like, blueprints and different things like that. So I had, like, this robust amount of just rulers and all type of like templates that I could then use to like make a little circle, make a larger circle to like to measure out my line. So uh, somehow I started planning to like this whole geometry thing. Didn't even know it uh, until I actually like got into geometry. Um, and then from there, I remember my first art class, uh, well, not even art classes in elementary school, you know, they do like poster contest contests, especially for like, Black History Month. Yeah. So it's like, who can make the most, the best Black History Month poster? <laughs> what a broad topic, you know what yeah. I mean? That type of thing. <laughs> uh, and I remember I uh, was able, my mom helped me like draw like the the, con the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. And we went down to the detail of drawing like every con country within Africa and then printing out like the little flags for mm -hmm. each country and like it's just like this huge you still have it no, no uh, I, I don't think they shout out to your mom she yeah. seems like such a yeah like is your mom an educator no yeah. she's not she's like this you know she's just lady. a mom yeah she's just she's just a lady <laughs> she's just a loving caring mother <laughs> yeah she grew up in east atlanta over in uh thomasville heights okay. uh, which was like the old huge apartment complex uh right off of moreland avenue mm-hmm mm -hmm across the street from the, the drive-in theater, mm -hmm. that weird amount of land that there's nothing there. Yes. There used to be like a housing project over there. Mm -hmm. So she grew up over that way. Um, she, I don't think she's, she, I don't think she would consider herself creative, but she, she's a, she's a supporter like, of the arts. Yeah. Clearly. Whatever, whatever it is that I wanted to do, she made sure that I did it like with great detail, mm -hmm. which nice. kind of, you know, brings me to like all the detail that I use in most things. Uh, so yeah, you know. <laughs> Bethany's getting emotional. Yeah. Yes, because I, I mean, granted, maybe her intention wasn't to make you a great artist, but she just wanted to make you great at whatever it is that you were yeah, trying to do. No, she you know, she doesn't believe she was in supporting. It. Yeah, nothing is nothing is half ass. If you say yeah. you want to do this thing, we're gonna do this thing full out. Exactly. I'm, I'm not gonna have you out here looking crazy, right? And even more than more so than that, you're not gonna have me, me out, out here, here looking, looking crazy. Exactly. You're not gonna have this household looking crazy. So if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. And then, <laughs> I mean, that goes down to your clothes. If you gonna you gonna mm. wear some clothes, iron them shits. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. better be clean. But, that, but that's a that's yeah. ingrained in the black experience, yeah. like. I can't tell you how many times. Okay, maybe the, this is not TMI, but maybe it is. But my mom is like, no matter what you do, make sure your underwear 
is like intact is not like raggedy mm-hmm. baggedy whatever because you never know what can happen to you like if you get in an accident and you got to go to the hospital mm-hmm. no one's gonna be like you got on some raggedy ass underwear but you'd also don't want to be having raggedy ass underwear yeah. on yeah. but you just yeah. don't yeah. want to be like just like from yeah. the foundation up like you yeah. just don't want to be raggedy like if you step out the house, you never know who you you're going to see. Yeah, you need to look your best. You just need to look at your all best. Times. And I mean, she, hell, she even does it now. Like, if I come over there and my hair is not cut or oh something like God. that, she's like, so what you doing? <laughs> like, you can't, can't get a haircut. Then I'll go into my whole explanation about how you can't just walk to a barbershop anymore. You have to make appointments <laughs> now. She's like, well, if you know you got to make an appointment, then you need to do it a few weeks ahead of time. So, like, there's no excuses. Uh, yeah. Okay, but wait. Also, uh, piggybacking off of that i read somewhere recently that black people and their urge and their um need to always be put together goes all the way back to slavery Mm -hmm. of course but shortly after slavery was abolished they had um these people put in place that would patrol the streets and if your children weren't looking if they were looking unkempt they would basically take the kids under the guise of like child neglect neglect. Mm -hmm. you know like but it's like okay but these are poor black people who were just freed they can't they don't have the nicest clothes Mm -hmm. so they're going to just look unkempt Mm -hmm. according to your standards Mm -hmm. so then black people in turn are like no every time we go out we have to look our best mm-hmm. so our kids aren't kidnapped yep, mm-hmm. yep. that's crazy I and mean, we it's... just keep that for generations and, and now right. your mom is making sure you have a, a fresh <laughs> yeah, haircut I mean, even now i mean that is sadistic as it started yeah it is somewhat good practice now i mean us being in still being in the minority and trying to not trying to be in these white spaces, but navigating white spaces, navigating is a real white thing, spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been taught like the same shit that we were taught. If you see a black kid and he looks of this sort, of, he's dressed like this, then this is what you should expect from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, you kind of have to put your best foot forward whenever which you step out of the house which is it's not so a, which fucked is not, up. It's, it's it's fucked up that you can't like i can't just walk out the house and just right be fucked up today because i right. don't really don't give a damn like it doesn't, it. Right. Doesn't, yeah it doesn't make me any less intelligent or anything less less than just period but i mean this is a white ass fucking world that we're navigating mm-hmm. in over here so i mean yeah in some I mean, situations you have to act accordingly if you plan on working or just living in those spaces Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's a double-edged sword i think we we were just off the mic talking about respectability politics which i think that there there are more conversations surrounding Mm -hmm. the the exceptional black person or the presentable black person and you know what we should look like to excel and why why that has to even be the case like girls shouldn't walk through the Mm -hmm. airport with their bonnets on like if you want to walk with your bonnet on, why can't you? Christina, would you wear a bonnet in the airport? No, but the reason <laughs> I wouldn't wear a bonnet in the airport is likely due to the respectability that's been enforced on me my whole life. Like, if I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to a place and I want my hair to stay intact and I want it to stay preserved, like, why should it be wrong for me to walk through the airport with a bonnet on? Yeah, I think there is a very distinct thing between 
protecting your hairdo and looking like you just got out of bed. <laughs> like, okay, which, so which, like, which isn't is cool for bonnet, anybody. Or is it just the bonnet or is it the bonnet plus I think it's the, the bonnet, pajama pants? Yeah. Plus, I think it's the bonnet plus everything. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole kit and caboodle kind of like changes the the vibe. I guess, but also I'm on I'm from the school of thought that it should not matter. It should it not shouldn't matter what you look like to deserve human decency and respect and you know what i'm saying like you should be able to wear your pajama pants if your ass and titties and dick and asshole ain't out like (laughs) all your parts all your everything's covered you're you know what i'm saying you're not offending anybody Mm -hmm. with what you're wearing we just have an opinion about what you're wearing you know and it's mostly black towards black Black people people, yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean i feel like i've always Ever since I was a child, getting on a plane was like a thing and we had to like dress up, dress up yeah, to get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know when we stopped dressing up to get on planes, yeah. but it seemed like it, getting on a plane was an event and you like actually got dressed yeah. to I get on the, a plane. The, the dresses changed because, uh, I mean, I've been in the airport like more than I would probably like to the last couple of weeks or months or whatever. But uh, like I don't travel in jeans because that shit isn't it's not comfortable, comfortable to sit on the plane for any amount of time. But I'll make sure I got on a cool ass pair of shoes and make sure mm-hmm. my jacket is you know what I'm saying yeah. something something I could step out in. You right. know what I mean? Like there's there's <laughs> there's there's ways to dress up casual. Yeah. yeah. Still. Um, yeah. Like I don't, you shouldn't go to the airport looking like what the fuck ever i don't give a fuck what race you're in white I, black i agree white, there period and, like there and, is like and, she spoke about decency like mm-hmm. your ass shouldn't be out whether you have an ass <laughs> or whether you don't have an ass yeah. like i don't care like and 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 unfortunately i mean like we said that black people are the target to this policing yeah and then we are seeing white people commodifying yeah they have the freedom to look any kind of way yeah and still be you know like the judgment is reserved until you get to know them or whatever the case what is black skin be fucking popping in the airport man so they can't help but look it can be a white girl standing next right next to a white a black woman have on the same fucking outfit but yeah guess what stands out from the crowd of most of the time majority white people yeah. even in even in Hartsfield like mm-hmm. fucking we call Atlanta Wakanda you know what <laughs> I mean but you go to the airport it is not Wakanda in that motherfucker no it's, it's not it's it giving looks very like, much United Nations it's yeah, everybody it looks like everything in there yeah. so you know I mean I don't know it's, do, it's do whatever you want up. to be honest like <laughs> there's gonna want, be there's yeah. gonna be judgment whether it's like silent judgment or whether it's out loud judgment to the point that it like asking you to put on another pair of pants like you can you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want but also know that the world has consequences whether we agree whether they're fair or not and if you want to come out the house have your ass out and do whatever if you want to have a bonnet just you know in the back of your mind know that somebody can and will approach you about it and how you go about it from there is i mean it's up to you I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't acquiesce.
<laughs> be like, nah, fuck no, nah, I'm taking off my bonnet. But how bad do you want to go to wherever you want to go and to get there? Right. Like, you know, yeah. that's, that's just anywhere. Like, we don't we don't make up the majority, so we don't make up the rules. At what point in your life did you recognize yourself as like, oh, I'm a black man, I'm a black boy, and I'm different from my white counterparts. Like, was there a defining moment where you recognized yourself as like other? Like more recently, I'm not recently as in maybe like the last 10 or so years going to college. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been my experience. But like my first experience just being being told by somebody else that mm -hmm. you are different was uh i was i was in the sixth grade um my brother four years younger he was in the second grade uh and my cousin i think he was the same age as me we uh we lived behind hooper elementary school which mm -hmm. no longer exists right here on memorial drive uh it was memorial day weekend um we were just some kids just playing in the schoolyard literally i can walk through my backyard and get to school mm -hmm. playing basketball and just being some adventurous ass kids uh my cousin walks up to the school door because we walk by it all the time the door opens up this mm -hmm. is like on a weekend school shouldn't be open but mm -hmm. someone fucked up and left the school <laughs> open. unlocked yeah. yeah so as children you like oh shit the school is open Let's see what's in this motherfucker. Yeah, Let's yeah. see what the school looks like with nobody in here. Right. Yeah. So we all go in and we're just like, you know, just kind of like running around the hallways, just doing, <laughs> just doing stupid kid it's shit. It's such a kid fantasy. Like, yeah, to be at school and no one else is there. Yeah. Like, I mean, lights out and everything. So we're literally just running up and down the hallways. And um, I remember, we, I think we were like about to come out of the school or something like that. And we heard freeze. <gasps> freeze like loudly mm -hmm. from like down the hallway and you can't really see um so we all stop and i could see that it was like a school resource officer or something like that and like this yellow shirt like walking up to us he's accompanied by like police officers mm. there's a silent alarm i guess on the building or sure. whatever they make us all get down on the floor on the floor i'm 12 my brother is in the second grade, so oh. I guess whatever that is, eight, yeah. seven or eight. Too young to be too freezing. Too young to be freezing and to know what a gun looks like. Mm -hmm. So uh, they tell us to freeze. They make us get up. They walk us to the principal's office. It, this is like weird. This is a weird ass thing. Hey, let's go to the principal's office. We're going to sit in here. Mm -hmm. And it's just all these older ass white men, mm. police officers. Mm -hmm. And they're like talking and we're all sitting there and finally one of them's like, look, we're going to call your parents or whatever. So they call our parents. Our parents come up there. The police officers are talking to our parents. The police officers trying to figure out how we got in the building. We're telling them, hey, there's a door in the back of the school. That's just wide the fuck open. Mm -hmm. Like you can go back there right now mm -hmm. and see this thing. It's open. But they're telling us that we broke came in. through the broke in from the front of the school, that mm -hmm. we came through a window through the school what and this we find out that this whole thing is being orchestrated by norma rushing uh 
she is the principal of the school, had been since like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Super old white lady. Yeah. She tried to press, well, she did press all type of, she pressed burglary charges. <gasps> we didn't steal anything. She trespassing. Uh, I mean, all type of like whatever she whatever yeah. she could put on us. She allowed the DeKalb County Police Department to do that. Wow. wow. And uh, so they, even though they called our parents, they still put us in a police car, drove us down to the DeKalb County Jail. In front of your parents? Yeah. They called our parents up there. To watch you get arrested. To watch us get oh, arrested. Yeah. And they drove us down to the DeKalb County Jail. Uh I can't remember much about, we didn't actually have to go into jail. There was some weird thing where my parents had to sign off for us. And I remember my mom taking us back home and she was, of course, she's like crying. Yeah. Because she's like, this is the one thing I tried to keep y'all from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's explaining to us, she's like, look, this white lady wants y'all to go to jail for forever because you are black. And that never registered with me. Like, I see this principle every day at school. My parents are the president and vice president of the PTA. So they know the principle. The principle knows exactly who they are. They are very much compit, just, like, committed to our education and everybody else in the school, like all the black kids. Yeah. And I just remember my mom was telling us, like, hey, look, this is, this is how it is. You're two little black boys who, you know, are on honor roll and you're doing great. But there are some people out there that sometimes are going to be white that don't like what your trajectory is. Ugh. You stand for something bigger than what this lady is okay with, what she's mm -hmm. comfortable with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that's crazy that she's yeah. a principal of an educational yeah, she's institute. Principal, like, she's she's been the principal of this school mm -hmm. for for a long time, and so luckily, uh, we you know we were able to get a judge and a lawyer. Uh, our lawyer knew the, who the, our lawyer knew who the judge was um, to like just like vouch for us. Like, hey, yeah. look, these kids, these are these. This is just these kids' records. Here are their parents' records. Yeah. yeah. So now we got to run through everybody's records just to vouch to make sure that we don't get in like super deep trouble for this trespassing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and we still receive probation. Wow. A year. How do you put a second grader on probation? It was bullshit. It was just <laughs> it was it was something that they could put on paperwork to put yeah. us on probation for a year. We didn't have to. There weren't any requirements other than, hey, if you guys go out of town call us and let us know i Ugh. never met a probation officer during yeah. that time wow. it was just hey you it's have just to just like now this is following now this you is, no it, and it followed me all the way up until it was time to go to college wow and that's something i had to go back down to the juvenile court wow to have my record sealed so that this thing doesn't this thing that happened to me as a 12 year old doesn't fuck up <laughs> me from going to school Mm. So and she knew that, and she no, the she principal was she's, like, she's "What a principal. is evil bitch?" <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, she, she Norma Rushing. Let's yeah, go find her. Norma Rushing. Now I don't, I doubt. She's I mean, probably dead. God bless the she's dead. She's probably dead. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's passed. No, she was. Hopefully, she was, she's in hell where yeah. she belongs. She was because <laughs> honestly, if she did that to you guys, no, we, we think about all the other. If she was the head of the school for mm -hmm. so long she yeah. probably did worse yeah i mean she, i'm sure she was a lot harsher on suspensions for black students yeah. if we yeah. go back and 
were able to research whatever her record was. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, she disciplined, or if you want to say disciplined, a grown person, but I'm sure, like, if there were any infractions as a teacher, that right. she was a lot harsher yeah. on black teachers yeah. during that time. And it's weird because this, you know, she, Decatur, yes. this area, <laughs> was not always as black as it was. Yeah. Like, there was a, the great white flight yes. happened here as well. Like, mm-hmm. Belvedere was a thriving white-ass town. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like it. Belvedere. And, Belvedere. Yeah. I love saying yeah. that I'm from Belvedere. <laughs> yeah, she was, like, probably the last remnant of this town because yeah. she was the principal of the school within this, this area. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, she harbored that same prejudice and bias towards black people until they got her to fuck up out of there. Wow. <laughs> so, how, how did that experience color or influence how you felt about maybe about white people going for for uh going forward in life? I can't say did it because it was more so a battle between my parents. My parents, that was a battle with them. Mm-hmm. Me and my brothers would just so happen to be like the subject of the battle like mm-hmm. it it was nothing i could say to a 65 year old white woman mm-hmm. about like pressing charges like against me like mm-hmm. it was it was more so my parents you know probably keeping a closer eye on me like as a child and making sure that i wasn't hanging around like specific people my cousin was a badass yeah <laughs> like what we t- <laughs> what we found out through the whole thing like he had been on probation for some some stupid shit yeah. before like even in sixth grade like he mm-hmm. He's been a part of the system for mm. quite some time, which is fucked up too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, it didn't it didn't affect the way I looked at white people. There, Hooper was a magnet school, so the classes that I were in, it was the performing arts like program at the school. So there were white kids in my class. It didn't make me look at them any different. Now, how they looked at me, I'm sure they looked at me a little bit different, because you know black kid got arrested over the the school i go missing for like a whole week from school at the end of the school year you know people get to talking yeah Uh, even in like sixth seventh grade like people kind of know so maybe they look at me a little bit different maybe their parents are talking yeah maybe yeah maybe i now confirm what their fears are about the black kids being in this black school that just so happens to have a madden program Mm -hmm. yeah um but i mean i didn't look at white people any different from yeah. there you know i didn't I, again i didn't have any direct involvement with it I yeah. was just i was just the subject of what was happening right. um, yeah. but do you think that changed how you behaved in spaces for the rest of your life or up until college you said no i think uh, mom if, if i would car- categorize my mom my mom is like the the woman who grew up in the hood but is like bourgeoisie yeah mm-hmm. uh i love her to death but that's you know that's who she is so we've always carried ourselves like in this this way of you know like great pride mm-hmm. and like you know dressed to the t mm-hmm. all the time so i mean i continue to carry myself that way this was just this just so happened to be like a fuck up incident where mm-hmm. i like <clears throat> decided to be like a child that day or right. 
you know, unconsciously decided to make like this really childish decision as a twelve year old. So as as a child, you yeah, did, as a child, you decided it was, to it was be, just, behave as yeah, a child. Yeah, I decided to like, oh shit, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to go inside the school yeah. with nobody in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who knew there was like a racist white woman on the other side of the door. <laughs> That's alone. so fucked up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. honestly, the one thing that I wish for us for black people and mostly kids is that they can just be kids yeah. like yeah there's no reason it's not fair that we need to have these conversations with our kids like okay you know you can't really wild out you know right. like yeah. you must always yeah. like contain yourself mm-hmm. to a certain degree as to not piss off white people or like cause too much attention to yourself yeah. like yeah it's just it's it's frustrating and it's like the one thing that consistently angers me like how does that affect our our imagination and like our creativity oh i mean it it skews it all because you don't get to experience life like you know like a like a a white person they get to go out and like say and do whatever they want to do whatever and like there are no consequences of it yeah i can i can only imagine what it feels like to be a a white man yeah <laughs> just like period like a yeah. white man rich or broke yeah nobody nobody knows whether you're rich or broke until you start opening your mouth or mm-hmm. it comes time to like open your wallet like yeah i can only imagine to be a white man just like walk around and carefree you can say whatever the fuck you want to say and maybe somebody might slap you today for saying nigga but most niggas let's keep it honest like nobody's gonna really say anything to you Mm -hmm. if you drop the Mm n-word because you saying the n-word is going and me retaliating against that is going to send me to jail which is going to fuck up my household which is going to then fuck up my children which is then going to like continue this like vicious fucking cycle of like Mm -hmm. just fucked up shit yeah so i mean i i would like to see what it's like to be able to to be that liberated where i can just like you know it it, it sounds insane like this is like if you're a white person there's no excuse for you to not excel because you have the world at your fingertips bro (laughs) you everything is given to you everything is served to you like you can take whatever the fuck you want you can ask for whatever you want like I don't know, Christina, take us somewhere else because I was really about to go on a tangent. <laughs> and I don't even think I, I mean, need to go there <laughs> publicly. <laughs> oh, okay, because this is this is not this is not a crusade against white people. I'll say that much. No, I have white friends that are like <laughs> This is this is such a <laughs> dope white fuck. friends. I'm not racist. No, it's it's not a crusade against white people. It's a crusade against like the institution of this country like white supremacy yeah it's built to favor white people and we just happen to be on the side that's not favored (laughs) so it's just you know sometimes sometimes i can like go through life and just be fine but I do get frustrated from time to time. Like, damn, this shit is fucked up. And it's, like, yeah. it seems never ending. I mean, I was thinking about as you were talking about the incident that happened when you were a child about the school to prison pipeline. And yeah. that's like, that's a system that is in place. And this was working in favor of that system. Like, let's get these black boys a record. No, it's super fucked up. Like, you know. 
even to the even to the placement of the jail. Yeah, like, yeah. The DeKalb County Jail is you can see it. It's it's a fucking monument. Yeah, like, yeah. in DeKalb County, you get off Memorial Drive. It's a landmark. It's, you like, make, oh, you, you know, make I that live right over there by the jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna say that like seeing that jail every day makes it. You know, you you get more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But I I don't. I wish I knew like the stats on like how many you know black men or just black people period in DeKalb County who have been in that jail. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that number is like a lot higher than it should be. Like you get comfortable with seeing the jail. You get comfortable with seeing the police cars. You get comfortable with just like the system, the justice system period. Mm -hmm. And then you find yourself in the shit. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't really scare you because you're like, oh, well, it's a everyday. this is a every day. This is like kind of my turn. Yeah. Like, you know what you I mean? You know like, people. Like, you know several people who've been in and out of yeah. jail. So it's like regular shit. Yeah. Granted, what you go to jail for, like, yeah. it's still like, you know, for my situation, just like literally growing up five minutes from that jail kind of made it comfortable for like... Even when everything was happening when and I was in sixth grade, I wasn't like nervous or like right. It doesn't feel too far weird from home. About it's it, like which, this is my neighborhood. Yeah, like, this is my yeah. Like the guns being drawn, the get down, like the the handcuffs, the being in the police car. All these are like very new experiences directly, but none of it felt like oh man, you know, I'm this is like out of place. It's like oh. no, I have one handcuffs, and I'm in a police car. And they're taking me down here to this place that I've never like really been before. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like nothing about it was like uncomfortable, which is which should be a very uncomfortable thing for like people to know. Yeah, right. for white people to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of you know these systems that are in place mm-hmm. and how they work to definitely define us as separate from mm-hmm. the majority. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt like you internalized those opinions about you or like what the world is making you out to be? Like now it's becoming a, an internal problem and internal yeah, struggle. That's, yeah, that's a great way of, that's what I was trying to get at yeah. earlier. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, my next visit to the DeKalb County uh, Motel <laughs> um, <laughs> occurred uh, after... Um, graduating from college what college did you go to valhausen state okay. university oh, okay <laughs> go blazers go blazers. um wait a second were you the mascot yeah <laughs> i was <laughs> i was the valhausen state blazer from uh <laughs> it was like a, a little uh, uh memory yeah, that no, was it's, unlocked. It's, a, it's a little known fact to a lot of people <laughs> wait a second hold on hold on hold on, hold on. yeah from like what? 2006 2008 what is the map it's, it's a blazer a, it's a flame it's, it's just a, a blame. flame head like yeah. it's i'm i'm a walking big lighter yes oh, exactly with yeah. a little jersey on <laughs> Yeah, no, that was it was a cool job. I got to meet a lot of people. They didn't get to meet me, really. Like, it was like the greatest networking experience ever. But nobody, you couldn't hand a business card out to anybody. So, <laughs> no, it, it was it was dope. As what hell. an ideal situation! Like, yeah, I can like, still be yeah, yeah, like, protected. 
<laughs> yes. My privacy is protected, but I know all your shit. Yeah, right. I know everything. Uh okay, sorry, sorry. That yeah, was such we? a that was such a side a random, like, whoa, you were the yeah. mascot. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward that, like, I've graduated. Um, I want to know I want everybody to know I was very guilty of the crime that I committed that <laughs> night. <laughs> the crime of DUI. Okay. Uh yeah. <laughs> But uh, I could. This was New Year's night, so I mean, Ugh. I have kind of have an excuse. But whatever, yeah. I get pulled over. I'm so drunk. I tell the police. The police always ask me, "Have I been drinking?" My stupid ass tells him, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but he's like wildly cool about it. <laughs> then he comes back. He's like, "All right, well, you step out of the car, do the whole test thing. All right, man, we're gonna lock you up. You're under suspicion of DUI. Cool. Yeah, I am DUI." So, uh, like, my whole ride down there, I'm now thinking back to, like, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, sixth grade when I got locked up. I'm thinking about, like, how how do I, how did I get myself in this situation? Like, it's got to be me at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I get down to the jail. They, you know, actually this time it's not like, oh, well, we're just going to re- release you to your parents. Right. So now it becomes like now super. Now you grown, grown. Yeah. Now it beca- this is like the next stage to like what happened, you know, 10 years ago. Now I'm getting booked in. Now I'm like looking at everybody in there. Like the weirder part is like it's there are black people working in the jail. Right. That are locking you up mm-hmm. like that whole night i can remember thinking like damn man like this is this is kind of like this is what it's gonna be like i you don't really know and it, that might have been my drunk mind just like <laughs> um, i don't know like you start thinking about your whole life and like man how am i gonna make it out of this thing that mm-hmm. really i can be you know i'm gonna bond out like because right. i have a job like right. i have money i can yeah. get out of here but once you in there you're like man this is it Right. <laughs> like, 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 I'm gonna be in jail the next fifty years for this DUI. Yeah, but I, I mean, am what they say I am. Yeah, no, re- I mean, you really start thinking about that. You like, mm-hmm. clearly, I have to be like, if I ended up here again, this time, mm-hmm. like, it, you start saying, well, it is my fault, mm-hmm. like, for like putting myself in this situation. Like, I know what the system has rigged up for me, and somehow I just like let all my guards down and said, you know, fuck it yeah. tonight. Um, yeah. Like I, I, every time I've had an involvement with police, I've ended up <laughs> like, yeah. DeKalb County. Yeah. <laughs> like even before, before that, like I had a fucked up stretch. Yeah. Like during that time, um, a ticket I got in fucking Cordell coming back from a job interview, like somewhere in South Georgia, I got a ticket. This is a, a, around a time where like super speeder just got implemented. Uh-huh. So nobody really knows like how the fuck the shit works. I, I pay like one of the tickets, what, which is what I think is the entire ticket. But there's that stupid ass extra fee. Mm-hmm. I don't get any correspondence, nothing in mail, nothing in writing, no phone calls from Cordell. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm chilling in my house <laughs> in Atlanta playing like xbox or some shit at the time it's like seven o'clock get a knock at the front door of my parents house i go to the door it's the police officer there's no car in the yard so i'm like damn maybe there's some shit going on in the neighborhood maybe they're looking for somebody <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm like oh what's up it's like oh we look for andre williams i'm like i'm andre williams 
<laughs> they were like, well, I'm not thinking nothing, nothing of it. Like, oh, well, if you don't mind, if you just turn around for us and I'll put your there's hands a behind warrant your back. for your arrest. Yeah, there's a warrant for my arrest mm-hmm. for a $200 ticket mm. out of Cordell, Georgia. And it's like all these things culminated. Like, they took me to jail that night, even though I was like, look, I can go online right now and pay for this fucking ticket. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. No. Come on, bro. Ugh. We gotta take you down here. So that was that was like my first time in there. It's exhausting. It did, yeah, no, it, it, it was. It's it, sad. And it all it's happened in up. three months, which was like I'm sitting in there for the DUI. I'm like, this is definitely my fault. Like, I am doomed to kind of be in this like this cycle. Mm-hmm. If I like, I don't, I don't have the error to fuck up on anything in the public eye anyway mm-hmm. like i can't fuck up anywhere in the public yeah and i've i mean like i i probably made a conscious decision then that i'm like i'm not gonna do anything mm-hmm. outside in the public eye. i'm not gonna do shit on social media yeah i'm not gonna say nothing like too outlandish on social media because i'm i am in a system yeah like i don't how far that system stretches i don't fucking know right. but you know if i get in my conspiracy bag i say they <laughs> <laughs> you know they're keeping data on all us and if i got like these three incidents already compared to somebody with one then i'm a little bit further up on like this yeah. this list of people that you know hey go get them yeah, yeah. that is the in- internalizing yeah, then, just yeah, that yeah. sense of like, like i gotta be super paired man i'd be wanting to say all type of wild shit on twitter yeah about like <laughs> politics and like voting and just everything but i'm like mm, i might be thinking <laughs> but, too far in this but i'd rather be safe than sorry yeah because i've seen them come to my house to get me for a 200 dollars ticket out of a country ass town like that's how they no that it's, is, it's, that a, is it's a fear tactic them silencing your voice and yeah. your opinions and yeah your observations on the state of affairs in this country yeah and it's fucked up Cause I might have like uh some opinion and it's not thinking like super highly of myself like okay. saying I have like some outlandish thing that might change the world, but I might have a thought that you know that's just sitting in my draft box on Twitter that could you know provoke something in somebody else where they're like, well, I have the access and the resources mm-hmm. to like put this type of plan in action mm-hmm. but it's a you know it's a pr- provocative plan look yeah that you know you can't you can say these things out loud but can you like right. and for me like i've seen what it looks like to get in trouble even you know on some like very municipal type shit like yeah. but you know you kind of yeah you kind of you kind of it it lessens your voice a little bit you censor like, yourself yeah. yeah, yeah, but now you know, fuck it, I'm all out here. Okay, okay, okay. Exactly. Great. How did you it. get to that point? Like, you know, I imagine that has to be a little bit depressing, if I could say. Like that, that kind of has to be. Yeah, it's it sounds pretty sad. Yeah, it, it, I'm not gonna say it's sad, mm-hmm. but you definitely wish you could express yourself more freely. Mm-hmm. Um just about like any and everything without the thought of like being in trouble or the thought of somebody like oh that nigga on some some weird shit shit. some weird shit yeah i've always been on some weird shit so that's like you know that's par for the course but you know like i 
you know, I do have like very strong ideas about like, you know, criminal justice and, you know, just like voting and like how people look at voting and how people treat voting. What's your hot take? Let's hear it. <laughs> no, he's still shook. No, this no, is the point. I'm still this is the point yeah, of the yeah, 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 yeah. This nigga yeah, yeah. shook right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna go there. But uh, like maybe off like maybe I like share by share about like voting and, and like race and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like y- your experiences, like period, black or white, in your early years, like definitely shape how you go about things as an adult and you know the more traumatic those experiences are like the more you know you tend to like always go back to them like you mm-hmm. tend to it feels like a quick slap on the hand like it's like it's like a child like you tell a child hey don't do that eh, don't do that it's, it's cool for today but i'm back at it in five minutes right like as soon as you turn your head yeah now you take that child hey don't do that and you you add that with like a, a pop on the hand uh, they'll think about it but like oh well that pop on the hand didn't really hurt so mm-hmm. i'll i'll get back at it in two days now you go to them and you just flat out pop yeah. their ass yeah like right. with no explanation or nothing they gonna that's chill traumatizing out. they're gonna <laughs> yeah. chill out like yeah. they're, they're gonna really think about what they did not only in this situation but they're gonna now think about like what did the fuck did i just do period mm-hmm. by just being present mm-hmm. so i mean that's just kind of i guess that's the same experience i've kind of had like yeah i didn't really get any pops on the hand like hey this is this is a mistake man mm-hmm. you know, yada 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 it's like nah they tried to like put me in jail for real right as a 12 year old right every goes back. time yeah. we went like zero weird. to 100 yeah, real quick yeah. right. it's like no nah, man it's cool man you messed up that's just like an admin area whatever man just pay, just pay it it'd be cool we can go on about the how going about our business like nah man come with us right now yeah wow. yeah that's so there's there's no grace there's no grace. there's no that bottom line. um you know from you know my my experience as as the black man that I am, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for all black men out there, but you know, in I my, mean, unfortunately, I feel like there are several other black men out there that have had maybe not your exact, yeah. ex, uh, you know, experience, but something very similar. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I know, I know a few that have had some like, whoa, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, can we just talk? You know, yeah. like this could be a conversation. This doesn't have to be jail. Right. Yeah, it's like I can think about me and Elvit being in Bad Austin. I remember. Shout out to Elvit. Yeah, we're, shout out wherever to you are, Elvit. Shout out to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can remember we were in Bad Austin and uh, his car got towed. Like everybody's Bad Austin, like car gets towed in Bad Austin mm-hmm. by a one over there across the train tracks mm-hmm. by them country ass motherfuckers, like yeah. white dudes. And I can remember us going over there, and he's like. Man, my wallet is in my car, so I can't pay to get my fucking car out unless right. I'm able to get in my wallet. So we go over there, we pull up. It was like, man, I got my key, so let me just goddamn just get in my car and get my wallet. My man comes out the little trailer shit, like wildly aggressive, like, mm-hmm. hey man, don't go in that car. Like, bro, we can't drive out because you have the gate locked anyway. Right, right. Man, the the conversation goes from them like just arguing to him like something, 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 nigga. I'm like, I E. 
it's time to go. We got to right. ride. Right. Because yeah. now they've, they've taken their tow truck. They've, like, blocked the gate and shit. Like, it was, like, it could have turned into something, like, really bad mm-hmm. with us being on private property. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if he dropping the N-word, man, look. He's he don't not look, bro. Care. He don't care. <laughs> He's <it's>, unhinged. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're trying to pay him. Yeah, and the, right. the, the way you're going about doing it is upsetting him by grabbing your wallet out the car. <laughs> nah, man, let's let's ride, man. He dropping the N word for no reason. Like we ain't give. <laughs> like we got to get out of here. Like so, it, I mean, but but honestly, that's Vadasta. Like it, yeah, I feel like that place was like very scary and racist, and I think I was too drunk for most of it to really realize <laughs> until I yeah. was gone. I'm like, right. Eek, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Valdosta is like a, it's more of like a, it's a real world representative, like, of how everything else is. Valdosta is a divided town. Yes. The north side is where the more affluent white people mm-hmm. are. And the south side, well, you can just see it. You can it look, you can, it's like separated it's, by train tracks. Exactly. You can look on the south side and see that it ain't shit over there. Mm-hmm. That's like, where the slave quarters were. Like, yeah. historically, that's where the slave quarters were, and that's where the black people stayed, and it it looks just like yeah. that. Yeah, think, I mean, think about what we partied at. We partied yeah. on the south side. Want a liquor license over there? Nope. They were serving us moonshine, mm. all sorts of shit. Just we were in us a, we were up. in an Anvets place. Like, yeah. who allows eighteen year olds to drink in an Anvets? Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, some real like backcountry prohibition type shit because white folks uptown. Don't like the niggas coming yeah. up there. You know what I mean? So wow, it's it's, it's very it's strange like that here to in think Atlanta about too. Like yeah. Ponce, Ponce divides the city that way. Like mm-hmm. on one side of Ponce is fucking Boulevard, and then on the other yeah. side it's Monroe. Like yeah, it's the same shit. Wow. In, yeah. in a but lot now of places. I mean, in Atlanta, it's starting to like blend a little bit more. Um, is that well, what we're I mean, calling I mean, it? Blending. I'm being nice. <laughs> 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 I'm being nice Something's about happening. it. I, some of these people are my friends. Yeah. So I would call it blending. I would tell them the same as well. So. <laughs> the lines are blurring in Atlanta of like, you know, the black communities and the white communities. And, you know, that blurring takes place like five years and then, you know. It's all white for some reason. It's a very different place than I remember growing up. I'll say that much. And, you know, I'm sure my parents have a a completely different experience or viewpoint Mm -hmm. on Atlanta than even I do. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to always speak to Atlanta. Atlanta is the place where black people can do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seriously. I mean, I'm I'm not going to put a you know a cap on anyone anywhere else mm-hmm. but atlanta is the place where it is very open for you to be able to do whatever it is that you want to do yeah and people need to while you're here you need to take advantage of that like yeah. don't move out the city because it's a bunch of white people in here no have those people they have to deal with you right. yeah. you know you have to interact with us you have to shop with us you got to mm-hmm. go to school with our kids you got to see me wear my bonnet yeah in the you got to you got to <laughs> see all this you got to like seriously i mean i can only imagine from let me put myself in white man's land okay like, i can only imagine coming to the airport where i'm usually at the airport and i just see a bunch of white people mm-hmm. 
everybody's got on suits, let's just in say and everything. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, there's this this black queen that comes in with her <laughs> with her <laughs> with her crown. <laughs> with her crown tied tight. <laughs> I can I can only admit, imagine that being like a shocking thing even from from his end, like what the fuck is going on over there? Though she's beautiful, what the hell is that? Yeah. And you know, some people like get scared of what that is. Other white people get touchy. Like some, people, you know what they I mean? They get interested. Yeah. yeah. They, but you know, a lot of times you run into the people that tell, like, "Hey, that's not right over there." Even though yeah. it, it's an article of clothing. Yeah. But you know, we have to expose, you know, our white brothers and sisters to the black experience, and we can't be like. We can't be apologetic about it. We can't right. say, "Oh, I'm sorry for being this way." No, this is this is the way I am because mm-hmm. of how our ancestors, yours and mine's, have interacted. This is what yeah. it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we like stay in these communities and like attempt to stay in these communities, we make it a more normal thing, and we can all coexist. But if we keep every time white people come around, we want to, oh, I don't want to be over there with that shit, yeah. man, that racist shit. Like, I've fallen into that a little bit just because of, you know, what I grew up in over here. Like, mm-hmm. we've been we've been traveling lately, and I have these thoughts. I'm like, man, is it going to be racist over there? Yeah. But then when you go across seas, niggas don't give a fuck about race. Well, hold on now. I'm not going to say. Hold on. Hold on. I can only speak. <laughs> I can is, only this speak, is his experience. I can <laughs> only speak okay, from fair. my experience. Yeah, fair. I can yeah. only speak from that my experience. That's fair enough. That's all I can do. Off on I that can, is fair enough. I can't, you know, I, I can only speak from my experience. Yeah. Like, I haven't experienced anything remotely close to what happens over here. Even okay. to like, even to something as simple as just looks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Maybe, the looks that you get from people. Yeah, the looks that I get from white people here, if, I, if I'm if i in a certain place, it's like, why are you here, bro? Yeah. Over there, it's like, oh, okay, it's a black person in here. It's weird, but whatever. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> you in here because you know what's going on in here. There's no, there's no, like, kind of question as to yeah. why I'm here mm-hmm. because of my skin. Like, it's more of a surprise. Oh, there's a black person here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, from my experience, I've gotten more conversation than I have conflict. Right. Okay, there, sure. There's a lot more Over, curiosity. Yeah, because than, it's, it's like, unknown as to, like, oh, well, how did you get here? Uh, okay, I'll explain to you. Yeah, no problem like that. But... <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta say? But clearly, pop you have another experience. Well, which no, is no, cool. I mean, I, I don't think that my experience has been very different from yours. Mm-hmm. But I think too, it's important to acknowledge that this might be a surface experience that we're mm-hmm. having because, as you can see right now, we were just talking about the niggas being left behind in the Ukraine. It's all Gucci. Yeah, I've been seeing it. It's I've been all seeing Gucci it until, until, until some, real, until shit some real shit happens, yeah. and then now they're pushing you off of a bus. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like to save white lives to and save, not save right. your life. Yes, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let and me it, ask you this, and I'm playing double advocates like a motherfucker. Okay. okay. If it's a bunch of black people, yeah. Mm. War broke out. Okay. War broke out in fucking Atlanta. And it was like, look, man, we we saving all the Atlanta inhabitants, not, you know, everybody that looks like they're from Atlanta, mm-hmm. all the black people. We all on trains <laughs> and buses and everything. Don't ask me that. <laughs> and you I see, mean, and you see, you see like three white people go on, get on the bus. And you got three white people sitting on, the, uh, three black people sitting on the outside of the bus. Mm-hmm. 
what do you think that bus does? Just in group thought instantly. And we are talking about okay. in a war. Okay, but here's the thing. What I have seen more times than not is that black people become resourceful and find a way to include everybody as opposed to exclusion. Like, I don't think we're big. Like, we don't. Mm. We don't support exclusion the way white people do. Yeah. Like we might all, yeah, absolutely, we're gonna look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Like we were in the dog park the other day, these three black children walked in out of nowhere, and I was like, um, I wonder if these people think these these kids are ours. And my boyfriend was like, Well, yeah, they are ours right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Their parents are not around. Shout so out to him. Yeah. He was like, They are with us. they're ours, yeah. you know? But so I there is that sense of community and we go and hold each other down when when it's necessary but i think black you won't you'll be hard pressed to find black people that are going to be like leave these white ass people get your black ass on this on this bus you know what i'm saying what we're going to do is like everybody squeeze together push to the back let's get everybody on the bus yeah. i feel like that's been my experience more yeah. often than what we see online right now is they're literally no you cannot come mm-hmm. as opposed to how can we find we're a way not to maliciously excluding exactly white people like that's just that's not our nature we don't colonize other countries we don't start wars we don't it's just not who we are you know so i I get what you're saying yeah and i I do think you know we all gonna look out for each other (laughs) but i i I think in that situation i would actually be surprised if we were all just like y'all got to go yeah 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 Yeah. i I don't that would be be super super wild and maybe like Somewhere down the line, it would be a thought like, damn, what if we just didn't have these white people in here? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I don't <laughs> think we would act on it. It would be like, look, how can we all get in this bitch? Right, right, right. And are we not acting on it? And this is devil's advocate again. Okay. Are we not acting on it because of what, how we've been conditioned or are we just not acting on it? I think just cuz I think conditioning, conditioning has something plays to do role, with it for sure. But I also think in general when you talk about our history like before the transatlantic trade mm-hmm. uh, slave trade, we came from a land of abundance. We yeah. didn't have this this white people had to start migrating and leaving because they couldn't survive yeah. in certain places. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And in turn out of air quotes necessity had to go and get these things from other places Mm -hmm. we didn't have that fucking problem yeah we got it all yeah Yeah. we were chilling we (laughs) were thriving we were thriving (laughs) right and i'm not gonna sit over here and act like i know everything about you know what the state of affairs between these countries in africa at that time Mm -hmm. like i'm sure that there we have problems had problems or whatever Mm -hmm. but at the same time that that sense of like feast or famine like this like disparity like we don't have resources we don't have natural we come from the most abundant land on this planet Mm -hmm. yeah there was nothing that we need ever from white people outside Mm -hmm. of africa and so i think because of that what the mentality that's been passed down from generation to generation isn't necessarily this sense of like, we can't all eat here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we in turn, like 
essentially we knew what it was like to have. Well, you see that every day. You see the, if you just go back to school, well, from <laughs> my black ass schools, <laughs> you see the one white kid comes into school. It's not, oh, they go whitey over there. Yeah. Well, now, now, are you going to get some jokes as, You're gonna get as, as jokes. being the person that sticks out? Of course. Yeah. But no one is going to be beating your ass no one's gonna be doing any like weird shit to you to, hanging like, dolls from yeah, nooses in front of your locker you as, and shit as yeah. a white person no i mean yeah we are a very welcoming people and you know sometimes that's to, to our, our own detriment, detriment yeah but, but i mean i mean it it is you gotta you gotta be welcoming no matter what mm-hmm. what christina just des- described kind of goes back to your your idea of us just staying here and coexisting together. Yeah. You know, like it is ingrained in us to be welcoming and like, hey, we can all eat. We can coexist with white people. We could win together. Like just as long as y'all are respectful and like, you know, not trying to overtake the people that are already there. It's the culture and the vibe that people move down here for is because of black people. Mm-hmm. And don't just phase us out because this guy over here got more money. Yeah, yeah. that money. Ain't, look, man, money can't buy you swag. <laughs> what is it? What did Gucci say about the uh, about having the sauce and being lost in the sauce? That whole that whole thing. We'll man. insert it. <laughs> yeah, right here. See, when I ain't had no money, I still had sauce. Mm-hmm. See, if you don't got no sauce, then we, you're lost. Mm-hmm. But you also get lost in the sauce. I feel like we've talked a lot about being black. But um, I don't know. I guess we just rounding it out. Like, how has being black contributed to your success as an artist or otherwise? Yeah, as a person, we'll say that. More so than anything, just exposing black people to something different whether they buy something or not mm-hmm. and those that do buy something then you are now a collector you're not mm-hmm. just somebody who just like purchased something this thing is finite it mm-hmm. is it is one of one mm-hmm. the original there is, there, it is original <laughs> there is value in it mm-hmm. and you pay for that value over time that value will build mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i mean just exposing people to um, collecting art and just like being around something that is different other than you know what we're what we're used to like you know i'm not gonna say not what we're used to but what we're uh what the you know what social media and what the world points us mm-hmm. out to being in like rap and right you know all these type of things but you know there is a there is a very rich art community in atlanta um Castleberry Castleberry District, mm-hmm. which is right in the heart of all, in the heart of Atlanta, mm-hmm. like blacks on top of blacks on top of blacks on top of blacks. These are your original, like Atlantans, mm-hmm. and uh, you know also people who've come from other places who've been here just for, I mean, exterior, uh, extended period of time who have like cultivated this art community where you can go down there, you can talk to them. It's not this weird politicized type thing where you have to send an email to yes. reach the owner of the gallery. No, yeah. you can walk in there. If if I'm correct, they still do First Fridays at everything down there. You can go in there. You can talk to the owners of the galleries. You can mm-hmm. talk to the owners of the buildings. It's just a place where you can just network, period, with 
black people mm-hmm. who are involved in different things throughout the city. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, besides yourself, mm-hmm. what other black artists do you like are inspired by or would encourage us and our listeners to check out? Uh, I, number one, I always go to is, is Maya Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about him for a long time until mm-hmm. I like started painting for real and like trying to like find like my, my community to be a part of. Uh, but Maya, um, owns the city of ink franchise. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want to make sure I say that like there are two city of inks, one in Castleberry, one on Edgewood. Uh, which is a big thing for to be a black-owned tattoo mm-hmm. uh, parlor, but he also developed Peter Street uh, Station. I believe it's called Peter Street Station, which is a social club for black people, just period. Mm-hmm. Thousands of books. There's a social club upstairs where people are tattooing and, you know, just doing all type of creative things. Um, but he is like the the pioneer of that. I'm sure there are other people that have helped him as well, but you know, you look to him. Um, he has a very original style of, um, just, just painting, just artwork and, and sculpture, just period. Um, in Atlanta, I would, I would always tell people to look to him, mm-hmm. um, first to me, he's like, he's like the OG. I, to be honest, I've only been able to like meet him once, mm-hmm. but the, the, the cool part about meeting him once is that, uh, Elvin, Elvin and I, when I, when we first did our, the first installment of, of, of Alaska and Atlanta, we compiled this huge list of people that we just like wanted to invite for them to just like come out and see our artwork and photography. And so, uh. We reached out to him. We like sent him an invitation. I think it was we sent him to him like by mail or something like that. And uh, you know, we didn't. Of course, you don't receive any feedback or anything right. like that. But just being in there and then looking up, and I think it was like Elvis that tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "Yo, Maya's over there." Ooh, that's exciting. And that Aww. was that was like that was like a dope ass experience. Like this man don't know us from fucking nobody. Mm-hmm. Like other than we just like, hey man, just come show love to this thing that we're doing. And he showed up, which was I mean, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Con- considering like who we sent these invitations yeah. to. We sent I mean, we sent them to people from the High Museum of Art. Like these people that everybody regards as like, you know, the I don't know, the gatekeepers and of the art, yeah, of, the art yeah. community. Yeah. And here's this black man who is like that nigga mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. in art that we see in art. He's a God and he just shows up. He doesn't like really come in and like, he doesn't like make a scene, even though we looking at him like, damn, man, yeah. what the fuck you doing in here? Right. Our shit. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, he, he's the man. Like I'll tell, if you start from there, he has just like a tree of artists that come up under him. Yeah. And from Maya, you have, you have Corey. And then from, you have also, you have Tukey, who is, mm-hmm. who is an amazing artist. And you have Paper Frank, who is like, this thing is like the leader of like the, the new school of just like artists and graffiti and, mm-hmm. and everything. He's done like all these amazing things that I don't, I don't know if people give him enough credit for for what he does, and he stays Paper under Frank's the radar. Dope. 
he's yeah. he's like fire as fuck. Yeah. Um, but it's just like a tree of people, and who knows who comes from you know under Corey, and who comes from uh you know from Frank. You know, I I look at it like we we just got back from like Rome, and uh, we were looking at these different like trees of people like. You have like this master person, mm-hmm. and then from that master, you get people like Michelangelo, and mm-hmm. then Michelangelo has like these disciples, mm-hmm. and also from that master, you get a few years later, you get like Raphael, mm-hmm. and Raphael has all these different disciples. Mm-hmm. So like you have this one guy who is Maya, and he is the master artist, and he's produced this tree of people who have contributed to like Atlanta everywhere and people might not know it like a lot of the murals you see Mm -hmm. a lot of at some of the sporting events you see like these art installations you see around the city come from like this hub this one hub Mm -hmm. and this one guy yeah so i'm i'm gonna big up him no matter where i go if somebody asks me it's it's always gonna always be my no matter what that's lovely and I've, i've never had a conversation with him i've only seen him like literally at our art show saw him there I was too afraid to even go up and like Aww. talk to him because you don't know like, damn, is this thing gonna ask me about my painting? Like, he are we gonna have to go came, into this? Whole... Though, <laughs> yeah, like, it was I the wildest that, shit. I feel like that's the biggest door opener for a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I invited you, you came, so you obviously you fucking with something here. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> with something. But it was like, all right, man, I see him over there. He enjoying shit, man. He's looking around. I think Aww. he came like by himself. And then we looked up and the nigga was gone. Okay. Like, but hey man, like shout out to him. Yeah. And that like that that I, I think that probably like propelled us to, to to do the next show and like mm-hmm. that was like a you know morale granted, boost. Yeah, it was a morale boost. It was good to see everybody there. Mm-hmm. But like this one person that you, you know, it's like a shot in the dark yeah. that you don't know, he shows up and you're like, Oh shit, okay. We all right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so Maya and all of them over at the the city of Ink. Yeah, I would I would look at them. Okay. Yeah. How can people look at you? Let's 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 drop your credentials if you want to be found, if you want to be looked yeah. at. <laughs> no, I mean people can look at uh, uh, people uh, on Instagram. I am a uh, happy belated Dre. That's like all one word. H a p p y b e l a t e d d r e. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing new up there recent. Like you know, again, you know, I I paint when I'm at when I'm inspired, and I don't like rush it or anything. Are like you that. currently accepting commissions? Okay. Nah, uh, uh-uh. I'm gonna keep it a buck. <laughs> no, I've been I've been telling people no since like last year. Like, nah, man, I'm not. Uh, I'm not glad I got yeah. in when I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I've been, I've been, I've been chilling, man. Like, like, really, just like enjoying life and it. Yeah, taking it art, easy. Yeah, I'm taking it easy. Like, art does. It. I'm not gonna say it takes a lot of you, but it does take like your attention mm-hmm. and it takes your emotions to like actually like create it. Now I can go in there and like throw some bullshit together right, but right, right, right. that ain't worth nothing and i wouldn't want to put that in anyone's house because that's a representation of me yeah um so no i'm not doing any commissions right now um i'm just just chilling and you know when i open back up people if you if you follow me on instagram 
if you start seeing art again, then I'm back working. Okay. okay. Got it. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, but for yeah. now, they can go and but admire. Now, yeah. You can just but see now, what, what was. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see uh, what I've done. I have, like, no commissions, but I've done, like, some uh, uh, some mural work. Uh, um, Bianca Octavia. That was, I think that might have been, like, the beginning of the pandemic. Somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for her uh, DUI DIY, um, <laughs> see, traumatized. <laughs> uh, she has like a DIY um, business where I mean, she makes like really dope shit. Like if you if you can think about it, she can make it. She puts it on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she just started like a podcast mm-hmm. recently, but I did like some some mural work for the outside of her her workshop over mm-hmm. there in the Met. Um, I don't even know if she's still there. She might be still there. She been, <laughs> probably moved on. But uh, I also did like a, a mural for um, the Historically Black Creatives uh, University, which is a, uh, I mean, if I'm going to compare it, I'm going to compare it. It is a, it's a hub for like everything. If you want to shoot a music video, mm-hmm. you can shoot it. Um, if you want to have a podcast, you can have it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anything. It's like this fully functional, like 10,000. I'm just throwing out 10,000 square feet. Yeah. It's big as fuck. Like a co-working space. Yeah, co-working it's, creative it's space. huge. And uh, I was able to do like their logo um, mural over there um, not too long ago. Y'all go follow them because, I mean, it, it really is dope. This is a black ass man mm-hmm. with a black ass staff with a black ass partners mm-hmm. <laughs> who are all involved in this thing and it's like super dope to see like where he was telling me where it was started just like was super like just like music videos and video shoots to like now doing like these i mean all type of people shoot over there now mm-hmm. and, and you, you said and this you is were, at the met this is yeah i think it's it's still housed in the met um uh-huh. hbcu um shout out to travis um, and his whole team, but they're doing like really dope things over there. But I did the mural over there, and I think that's probably the last thing like I've painted mm-hmm. uh, aside from like helping my dad, like <laughs> <laughs> like paint houses, like commercial painting, like one color, flat, <laughs> eggshell, white. Yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to both of them, Bianca and Trav, for you know being two black people, man and woman own their own business and you know they're in the same location i don't even know if they know the same location but that'll be dope if they hear this we'll, we'll research it and yeah put yeah. the particulars out there yeah 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 so they're doing cool things um yeah that's the only art i really have on display i think i don't I don't know. There's art here, I think. Yeah, there's some yeah. art. There, there's some art there. Yeah. I got two pieces in my room. room. Beth <laughs> has some stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, thank you to anybody who's ever like ever purchased anything, like period, or came to any show, or you know, who's reached out and I was like, nah, not right now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I appreciate you know just uh, your attention and even noticing me. So, you know, appreciate y'all. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for mm-hmm. coming back to Little Old Lemon Pepper Wet yeah. and sitting down with us four years after your first appearance. Yeah. We really appreciate yeah. you and it's always a pleasure. This is dope. Shopping it up. It's yes. always fun. <laughs> um, if you guys want to talk to us, you can find us at Lemon Pepper Wet pod on instagram mm-hmm. at lemon pepper wet on facebook and twitter and christina my ig is at c-o no c-d-o-t andrews <laughs> uh that's it and um my instagram is at bethane the drug and I think that's it. Let them know where you can find the podcast because I told y'all I listen on SoundCloud. Okay. But I just found out today it's on like Apple. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely on Apple Podcasts. That's where that's where that's, I listen to yeah, them. Same, same, same. You can find us on SoundCloud, and I think you can find us some other places. But really, you can also find us at our website, lemonpepperwetpod.com, and every single website or every single episode is there for you to listen to. Yeah. Oh, I also want to shout out. And I'm going to shout him. Every time y'all invite me, I'm going to always shout old dude out. The man who made the uh, the cornbread, uh, whatever his oh name was, God. Capriccio or His name is some, Fidel. Fidel. Fidel, yeah. Something, something European, German. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Fidel um, made the cornbread at yeah. the Lemon Pepper Wet Fest. Shout you, out to, you've been an OG yeah. fan. <laughs> no, yeah. shout, out, shout out to Fidel. That man, he is a connoisseur of all uh, beer pong Everything. and cornbread. <laughs> Greatest cornbread I've ever had in my that life. That cornbread was good as hell. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> I still tell people about that to this day. Like, no lie. No lie. Our music is produced by Stealth is Metal. Logo designed by Flunked Fiction.